Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us as we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament. We're working through the New Testament a chapter at a time. I know you've heard me say this, you've been coming, but just so you know, and then we're going to work through the Old Testament. So we have our Wednesdays set out for still the next 17 years. We're more than three years in, and I want to see everybody through every Wednesday for the next 17 years till we get done. And then the long-term plan is to start over again. So uh, why not? Um, we've worked through the Gospels together. We've worked through Acts together. And then coming out of the book of Acts, we, we're targeting, since we had talked so much about mission, the, Paul's uh, missionary journeys, um, we're looking now at the epistles, the letters Paul wrote to the early church in the order that we believe he wrote them. And, and I'm, I'm doing this in... Uh, my hope is to establish or to um, firm up the idea of context in all of your minds as you read the scripture. They were, there's a context to the scripture. They were written for specific uh, issues at specific times. And um, while they still speak to us today, you have to, they speak to us in terms of the context of what they were written for and when they were written. So you have to know that or the, the scripture can get twisted and begin to say something it didn't mean. So you have to be very careful when you're taking a verse, and it's okay, you know, you can, you can certainly take a verse and, and, and work with that verse, but in order to, it, to be really valid, it needs to maintain in the context from which you took it from. And so I always encourage you, when you're looking at a verse that you really like, you should know what verses come before it, and you should know what verses come after it, and you should know why it was written. And Paul, in, by and large, is writing these letters in response to situations that he's been made aware of in churches that he started. And the church is a brand new thing, lots of things they don't know how to deal with, and um, Paul gives them insight on what they need to do. Book of Romans, a little different in that Paul didn't start the church in Rome, but he's going to visit, and he, and he will. Um, but he's a new church that we, they believe sprung out of Pentecost, um, that the believers who were there for that uh, particular happening um, left and went back to Rome and started a church, and they're, they're there now and apparently doing pretty well. They have issues as well. And so Paul really covers this, uh, this idea uh, in a very systematic way, uh, presenting uh, sort of a very systematic Christian theology to believers throughout the book of Rome, uh, throughout the book of Romans to the people in Rome. So it's a great book for that and is often used um, with that understanding that he, he gets into some very important ideas and he makes it known really what the church is all about. Um, and uh, the first three chapters are tough chapters um, because he, he, he really is talking about you know, sin and that we're all sinners um, because if you're not aware of the idea that you're a sinner, then you have no need for a savior. Uh, he starts talking about the law and he says you know, that the law didn't work. No one was ever saved by the law, that it was there to let them know that they couldn't keep it. In effect, that was the purpose of the law. It was a mirror held up to them that they were supposed to realize from it that they would need a savior. Last week we were in Romans 4 and we talked about the idea of justification primarily. We talked about other things too, but primarily. And just to bring that up again, because we spring out of that in chapter 5, um, uh, justification means to acquit or to vindicate or to pronounce righteous. And um, the, uh, the theological ideas borrowed from uh, sort of the courtroom at the time, those were all sort of courtroom terms. In justification, um, God clears those who have been charged with sins or failures, which is all of us. And uh, no one um, can clear themselves based on their keeping of the law or their own performance. Uh, 
doesn't happen. It's, it's only can be, you can only be justified, declared righteous um, on the basis of faith in Christ. That was what Romans 4 was really all about. Now as we start Romans 5, um, one of the things that we see as a result of our justification is peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a pretty big deal. Um, peace with God. Um, it has sort of an objective and a subjective um, idea behind it. Uh, objectively, uh, we've gained access to God, um, and this happens, um, and the ground that we stand on is by grace alone, not of works. We talk about that a lot here, about how amazing it is that we have access to God. We talk uh, in our study in Hebrews and the disciples' heart, uh, how amazing it is that we have access to the most holy place, and that it's a access that's available to us in Christ, um, that it's not about us, because certainly in our own selves, we, there's no way we could stand in the holy presence of God. But because God sees us in Christ, we have access to the throne room of God, in effect, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's an amazing deal based on the grace of God. And there's Jesus who understands us and who gets us, and, and all of that's made possible because of what he did on the cross. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our bodies, uh, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the, f- to the faith we profess, for he who promised, the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Every day available to us because of the grace of God and because of what Jesus did on the cross, because we've been justified by that event, we have access to holy, perfect God. It's an amazing thing. So that's the objective side of having peace with God. There's no sin now blocking our relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. Um, subjectively, the, the idea um, has some different expressions of being at peace. Um, for instance, it says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And uh, hope, the idea of hope in the New Testament, throughout the New Testament, it's not a word suggesting uncertainty like we often use it, you know, well, I hope I can make it. That, that's how we often use hope. Uh, it's a word of confident expectation. Uh, Christian hope is a sense of certainty that brings us joy even if present circumstances are difficult. And, and uh, Paul will talk about the basis of this joy that produces hope. Uh, in, in when you see it, you'll see it happening. Um, we know, firstly, that... Um, Anything that we do go with, it's, uh, that we do go through now that's difficult, that God uses to produce the changes in us that need to happen while we're here. So even the difficult things, God's able to use. It's one of those amazing concepts of who God is. Um, secondly, the Holy Spirit has been um, given to us, uh, pours out God's love in our hearts. And so we're aware of his love for us. And the evidence of that love, thirdly, is what we saw at the cross. And so all those things are happening as we work through this life together. We'll touch on all that some more, but let me dig into the scripture now. I'm going to read to you Romans chapter 5. There's 21 verses. I'd encourage you to follow along um, in your Bibles if you have them. The, the verses are printed out in the notes. Uh, they'll, uh, they don't show up overhead, so you've got to go with one or the other. And uh, 
there's Bibles in the rows as well. Um, I'm going to read out of the NIV. Any translation that you like to work with is fine with me. Romans 5, 1 through 21. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And blessed be the word of God. The Lord. All right. Um, Romans 5, as is the entire book of Romans, is filled with some very important theological concepts and ideas, as I said earlier. But I have to share this with you. I started to chuckle because um, so I'm, I read everything off of my iPad. I know you can't see that from where you're at. But um, I already had it at 24 point, and I realized I had to push it up just a little bit more, and I can do that on the fly. So it's almost like there's three words on a page now when I read it so that I can see it without my glasses. And the only reason I thought that was funny was I ordered a little Bible the other day because I like the NIV, and the, the version that I really like of the NIV is the 1984 version, which is what it's been, and they just changed it. And it's not that there's anything wrong with the new one. I just have enough change going on in my life. And so uh, I still mess with my Bible. 
It's the one I've always read. I mean, I've read, I've read them law. I like lots of translations. I, you know, I've got King James. I've got all that stuff. I've got a bunch of my computer. But it's, one, it's my favorite to sit down and just kind of read um, is the NIV. So I ordered myself one because they're going out of print. You're not going to be able to get them anymore, and they were on sale. I actually bought three. I figured that would last me. I get 15 years out of a Bible. If I go another 45 years, I'm good. So... Yeah, well, I can keep going bigger and bigger on here. But, you know, sometimes you just got to sit down with a book. And uh, it was funny. So I ordered the giant print guy. You know what I mean? Giant print. And I, I, I just got it. It came in today, and I flipped it open. I can't see it. I mean, I can, I, I can see it if I wear glasses. But, you know, it's, anyway. I, don't, I didn't need to say all that. I apologize. Oh, did I tell you... Did I tell you when I was in Will- I was in Ocala at the church? I don't know if I told you this or not, but um, Scott was was teaching that night, and and I did, I went up and I did worship, and then I was hanging out with them, and and it's fun to be at that church and and hang out with them. They, they, you know, they all started from here, and uh, and Scott every once in a while will go down a bunny trail. I don't know where you learned that from, um, but what they did to him was is that when he went down a bunny trail for too long, the person that was running the slides and stuff put a little slide up with a bunny on it. It was really funny. And he can't see it. It's behind him, so he can't see it. And everybody just rolling. And then he's obviously happened before because he knew what he was. He'd take that off of there. That's bunny for bunny trail. Never mind. Romans 5, 1 and 4. Um, Paul starts his chapter by telling us that in Christ, as I said, we're now at peace with God. No sin is blocking our relationship with him. And and we experience then the peace of God while at the same time we still have to deal with events and the pulls of a fallen world on a broken planet. And so I want to talk about that concept a little bit and it's going to be something you need to have with you when we dig into the next four chapters of Romans together as well. Um, That we live in a tension uh, as believers. And um, I've called that tension before and I'll call it this again. It's the tension of the now and the not yet. And you have to have a, a basic idea of that being the sort of the foundation of the kingdom of God in order to, to be able to reconcile the scripture sometimes, because sometimes it looks like it says one thing and then says another thing. And how can it say both things if they don't really seem to line up? They always do. The scripture's always right, and it works together. So I want to explain to you just briefly again, as we lead into these next chapters, uh, the, the tension of the now and the not yet. And, and in brief, it's like this, because I've taught on this before, and it takes weeks. In brief, it's like this. When Jesus came the first time, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. He, he set the kingdom of God in motion. The kingdom of God is here. However, it's not yet fully here. It's here in part, but it's not fully here. When Jesus comes back the next time, when he's coming back, he is coming back, then everything gets set right in that period of time. He's going to come back and set everything right. We live in a tension then between the now and the not yet. So the kingdom is here, but not fully here. When he comes back, all those promises that we read about in Revelation, no more tear, no more pain, no more all that bad stuff, all that takes place when he comes back because he sets everything right and he deals with it all. The last enemy destroyed is death. He comes in and fixes it all. We know, though, that we still deal with difficult things in the now. So the, but the kingdom is here. It's just here in part, not fully here. What that does for us is if we can embrace that concept, which we need to, is because Jesus came, the kingdom is here, but he's not, it's not fully here yet because he's going to come back 
and, and then he's going to bring it. So the kingdom has been inaugurated, but not yet consummated. When Jesus comes back, the kingdom will be consummated. Then everything happens. In the meantime, by faith, we ask God for the things that are going to happen when Jesus comes back to break into the now. And so, in, in effect, what we're asking for, most of the time we're praying, is that the not yet would break into the now, and it does routinely. Not routinely. It does fairly often, though, when you ask by faith. But it doesn't always go the way you want it to go. And that's where people start having some struggles. Um, but we live in a tension. If everything was perfect now, the, it, the, then the kingdom would be fully here, and it's not until he comes back. And yet, he, he breaks in all the time as we pray in faith. That's why we encourage you to pray, and pray for miracles, and pray for people to have you know, uh, the presence of God in their lives, and for healing to happen, and all those neat things that happen. What we're, in effect, asking for is the bread of tomorrow today. We're saying, you're going to do it anyway, God, would you, we're going to ask him by faith that you would do it now. And then, then he, it's on him. It's totally on him at that point. Sometimes he breaks in and does. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it takes a while. I don't know all the answers to those questions. I just know that, that things happen. So there's a definite tension involved in the life that we live, and you have to be able to handle that tension. So what that does is um, it allows for us at some level, then, I think, to understand the concept that while we live here, even though we know Jesus, we still have to deal with some difficult things. There's still suffering that goes on around us. We know from the promises that, that Jesus even said there in Romans that God takes all that mess and he can use it to develop us and that he works it. He causes all things to work together for good. But it's not a blank check that you never go through difficult things. Nobody has that. You just don't. Things happen. The world has fallen. The planet's broken. And it's not fully restored yet. When Jesus comes back, it will be but not until then. However, it's here in part. So I'm, I'm hoping that that makes uh, to you uh, some measure of sense that you can live in that tension because that's the tension that we all live in. And that's what Paul's talking about in those things. We have peace with God, and yet there's still things that cause us anxiety. Is that true? But we're at peace with God when we experience the peace of God in some measure. And yet, I've told you this all the time, one bad phone call can rip that peace away. And maybe not for you, but it sure can for me. Uh, just things change because we're in the tension and we have to know that. So that's really to me where life of faith comes from. We're, we're living in, the, in this faith knowing that God is, is who he is and that Jesus is coming back and we're asking him for all those things to happen now but we live in the tension that it's not fully here yet. So that allows for ideas like um, in the scripture it says that we're complete in Christ and yet we know we're not complete yet. I mean you know I'm not. I know you're not. I don't know anybody that's complete yet in one sense you are. Because if Jesus were to come back right now, you'd be complete in him. Yet until he does, you're in the process of sanctification by the Holy Spirit, who's growing you and changing you all the time. And that's just evident. I mean, I, I hope you all can look back in fairly small quantities of time and see that you've changed. I mean, really, I think you can do a review every few months, and you ought to see that you've changed significantly in lots of areas, because the Holy Spirit's big time at work in your life. Certainly every six months or every year, you ought to be able to go, yeah, I'm, I'm much different now than I was a year ago. I'm not perfect yet. I still got issues in my life, but I got other issues now. Isn't that funny about how, how God works? He'll be working on an issue for a while. You'll finally get some, you get some breakthrough on that issue. And then he points out another issue. Really? <laughs> Let's take a break. I'd like to keep those issues. <laughs> he doesn't work that way. So it's this process. So um, that tension then uh, helps us, I think, and if you'll hang on to that over these next chapters, because you, you'll see that it says, it says this, but it also says this, and we experience this, and yet we also experience this, and, and we're experiencing the tension 
of the now and the not yet. And, and it's really, it's, once you get that, it changes the way that you look at everything in the Scripture. He goes on in verses 5 and 6 of Romans, and uh, I, li- I point those verses out. And anytime I, I see a picture of the Trinity in the Scripture, I try and, and stop and talk about it. And in verses 5 and 6, you see all three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work. Hope does not disappoint us because God, the Father, has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all involved in salvation and in what's happening again, as they always are. In verses 7 through 11, um, verse 8 is one of the neatest verses, I think, that you will ever see or know or study or read or think about. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's huge. Because what that means is you didn't get yourself all fixed up first and then Jesus did something. You didn't get everything sort of all your, everything in a row and figured out and all those other things and then he did it. Had nothing to do with you. Had everything to do with him. All you did was accept the, the gift that he made available to you. He did all the work. He did it all. And he did it while you were still a sinner. He died for you at that point in time. God sent Jesus to die for us, not because we were good enough, but just because he loved us. How about that for a concept? That all or just roll around in your brain all the time. And anytime you start, you know, feeling a little uncertain about God's love for you, remember that he loved you even before you turned to him. He loved you always. Pursued you, demonstrated his love to you, went after you with all that he had, and he always will. He always will love you. So instead of punishing us with what we really deserve, which scripture tells us because we sin is death, Christ took our sin upon himself and took our punishment by dying on the cross. And so we can rejoice in God now, is what those verses tell us, through faith in what Jesus did at the cross, then we become the children of God. And it talks then about being the friends of God and how we were really his enemies. And yet, because of Jesus, we became his friends. We got life with him forever. It's an amazing deal when you think about it. Nothing like it. That, that enemies become friends just because of what Jesus did. Just like that. Verses 12 through 21. Um, this is a major passage of Scripture um, because of the promises that it contains and um, this is one of those chunks of scripture that's poured over by theologians because there's a lot of stuff that, that goes on in there. But uh, I just want to highlight a few of them. Um, starts talking about Adam uh, in, in, this, in these scriptures. And Adam was a representative of created humanity. And Christ is the representative of a new spiritual humanity. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 49, Paul writes this. Uh, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, which is Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second, man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we've been born, just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Scripture will call um, Adam the first Adam and Jesus the second Adam. They represent, they're representative of uh, the ideas of created humanity and being born again in Christ into spiritual humanity. So all of us are born into Adam's physical family. 
the family line that leads to certain death. All of us have reaped the results of Adam's sin, which is death. We inherited his, go- his guilt. We inherited the tendency to sin and ultimately God's punishment for those sins. Because of Jesus, however, and here's what's amazingly cool. You can trade. You can trade that for forgiveness. I say, I, sometimes I just wonder why people would not make this trade. Here's what you can have. You can have guilt, shame, and death, or you can trade it to Jesus for forgiveness and eternal life. That's the deal. Again, I, I sometimes scratch my head at how, struggled, how much people struggle with the deal. And I, I go, really? Because those are your choices. I know they want other choices. People always want more choices. Those are the choices. You can have the, the, the representative, representative, that's not the right word. You can have the life and death that is an Adam or you can have the life and the life that is in Christ. Those are your choices. But people struggle and they, and they, and they, you know, they fret and they go, oh, well, what about this and what about that? The, the deal is this. Christ offers the opportunity to be born into the spiritual family. His family line begins with forgiveness and leads to eternal life. If we do nothing, we receive death through Adam. But if we come to God by faith, we receive life through Christ. That's a, that's a fairly easy way to say that without, that, that's the idea. If you don't do anything, if you don't act on the good news, then you get what all of Adam's family gets. That's just the way it works. But if you do act on it in faith in Christ, you get the life of Christ now and forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, Paul wrote this. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all be made alive. That, those are your choices. You either, you either choose Jesus or you don't. And the consequences are greatly different. So Jesus came into the world bringing an incredible gift of grace to us. All who receive it receive life now and forever with God. So I would encourage you, if you haven't received it, receive it. It's the best deal going. There's no better deal in the universe, nothing like it, and it's yours for the asking. Jesus has done the work at the cross. Our part is just to accept it. And if you, if you don't know how that works, it's, it's really, it's humility and faith. And, and let me just say it again. In humility, it's just admitting you're broken, like the rest of us, that you've sinned. All of us have. And, and going to God in that humility and, and with that admission and saying you're sorry and asking him to forgive you, which he'll do because he loves you. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life. If you've never done it, do it now it's absolutely the best decision you will ever make it changes everything now and forever and yet some people get so close and they just hang out there and well maybe a better deal will come along here's all I can tell you there's no better deal nothing better will come along they won't invent something new there's not something already out there better this is the best deal going if you haven't done it do it today we'll wrap with that Um, thanks for being a part here today and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, invite you to, if you need anything, go to our website. And you can uh, send us a prayer request on the email there. And we'll be happy to pray for you. We'll see you soon. You can shut that down. <laughs>